All right, Justin, sing me a song that you think is the perfect length for a song. Sing a song that I think is the perfect. Say that again. I, I didn't quite hear you. All right. Sing me a song that is to you the perfect length for a song. Like, don't sing the me the perfect song. Length? Length. Yeah. Like, how long Like, it how is. long it is. Oh, length. Okay. I thought I heard, I kept hearing link and I was like, what are you talking about? Okay. Length. No, the perfect okay. length. <laughs> longness of song. A song that I think is the perfect length. Um, for a song. For a song. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think the perfect length of a movie is longer than I would think the perfect length of a song is. I'm just saying. <laughs> I have never thought that critically about songs. I just, if they're good, they're good no matter how long they are. I've heard, I mean, Man, you know, like Stairway to Heaven is, can be fucking like 12 minutes shorter than it is. It's like 16 <laughs> minutes long. What's I don't know. I've. In a Gata de Vida. Oh. No, there is the radio cut, but then they have like the full length song is like 15 or 16 minutes. That That's just so weird because I've never been listening to a song and like, and been like, man, if it was just shorter, I would like it, but it's not. So I don't, I've never, ever even thought about that with a song. If it's good, it's good. And I'll listen to it. Yeah, for, but don't you think it's a little weird you know, when a song is under two minutes though? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I just always think, so oh, song, did they run out of ideas if it's under two minutes? Oh, my God. This is hard. Like, I mean, I guess I could pick anything, but I'm trying to really answer it. And I don't know what the answer is. The perfect length. Ugh. I don't like this one, Sterling. This is dumb. I hate you. I'm going to lose. You said so yourself, Justin. You could sing pretty much anything. I can't really fight you on this one, can I? I guess you can, huh? But I don't want to lie about it. I want it to be the truth. It's only lying if you tell me you're lying. <laughs> if you don't tell me you're lying, oh, so I default like, this is you're too saying much the pressure. truth. <laughs> is this but really going to be like the time, lie. the first time I said sing any song you want and you fuck that? Is yeah, this going to be the same thing? <laughs> and I couldn't do it. And I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. Uh, how about... uh? How about this? This this will go with the theme. I think this will kind of go with the theme. Uh, what's that, Kanye West? Oh, Jesus walks with me, with me, with me, with me. Oh, 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 oh. There you go. We'll go with that. I thought Not you bad. were, when you said Kanye West, I thought you were going to say Runaway, because that's his 15-minute-long song, <laughs> which I would not. Uh, yeah, I totally allow it because that song's fucking amazing. Anyway, no, Jesus Walks, good one. I do. It's a good length of a song. I don't know how long it is, but it's good. Heather, what about you? Shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. How long is that song? I think it's like three something minutes. It's one of those where it's it's long enough to like feel like you heard a whole song, but you're you're like I could have done another another verse of that. You know, it leaves you wanting more. But it's not too short either, you know. Mm, I don't it's know. A good if that range counts. of song. You, what? <laughs> you tell Justin that he can sing any song he wants, and mine doesn't count when I already like had an actual answer. I mean, your response is just Yeezy, so Yeezy And I say Yeezy. Yeah, I mean, he's saying Yeezy. What's one way to almost pretty much always win? You sing a Yeezy song, but 
I mean, you had so much more time to think about it than Justin. So I've got to hold you to a stricter standard than I do him. Yeah, but you said that like, I mean, it's kind of like subjective to the person specifically. I think that's a really I mean, good link for a song. <laughs> I didn't. But when we were talking about it, though, I didn't say you guys could sing whatever you want. I specifically mm. said Justin could. Because like I said, is, I, 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 ha- I have the bar lower for Justin because he just gets it right away. No thought just gets it. You have as much time as he takes to like bumble around most of the damn time to think of something to come up with a song. So your bar is so much higher. For the record, it's three minutes and 45 seconds long. Ooh, that's a little long, don't you think? I mean, if it was like three three minutes, 15 seconds, that's a good tight. Yeah. In and out. Oh, boy. But 345. Ooh. So really, it's what is the perfect length of song for you then is what we were trying to go for here. Well, always. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, I legitimately, like, that answer came to me quickly because I've had that thought about that song before where I was like, man, that song's good. You know, it's like, it does all the things it needs to do. You know, you got the, you got the verses, you got the chorus, but it's like, man, it it, it makes you want more of it. But, you know, I don't know. It's just oh. right there in that sweet spot. I don't know. Making you want more of it means it's not long enough. Which you would just mean want it's me to lose. Per- that means it's not the perfect length. I'm just saying, you said so yourself. It makes you want more. No, I'm saying, but like, that's why it's a good length. Because you're just like, <laughs> I could have been fine with more. No, but that it means wasn't it's too not short. long enough. That okay, means you fine, want a then good, I lose this round. It means you want like a good four minutes and seven seconds or something. Like, you know how with the movie, you're just like, that was a good time. Like, if it had more, I would have been fine with it. But, like, it, it makes you just want more of the song. But if you had more, you might be like, eh, it was too much. You know? I feel like I'm the worst person to say that to. Because there is very few times I ever think a movie should be longer. Okay. Well, right, then I guess we'll, I lose, we'll even send though this, this was a legit we'll, answer. We'll send this to the jury. Justin, what's your what's your verdict? Man, Heather, you should have sang another Yeezy song. You should have sang that Runaway song. Because it's long, but it's still the perfect length. You should have seen that. I'm sorry, Heather. It's I'm fine. I'll take you. the loss, even though the rules just, I thought I was really set. Because I was like, okay. Like, I didn't even have to, like, sit and think about it. I, I thought about it for, like, 30 seconds. I was like, this is the one I think I'm going to choose. All right. How about this, Heather? You get this point. You get this one. But how about this? We're going to parlay that point you just won. We're going to parlay that into, what's the song I'm thinking about right now? And if you get this, you get three points. Oh, boy. And if you don't get it, you just lose the one point you got. You, you might as well just, like, give me no points. <laughs> Let's see. Um, what song are you thinking of right now? Um, probably a Kanye song, but I feel like I'm not going to choose the right one. The Kanye monster song, even though I don't know how it goes. Heather. 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 What? How many times do we have to bring up Kanye West Runaway for you not to think that that's just where my mind would be right now? See, and the thing is, I was going to say that, but I thought that was too obvious. And if I did, you're going to be like, no, I'm not thinking of that. You know what, though? I'll let you keep your points since you at least said another Kanye song. You just don't get bonus points. Okay, I'll take hey, it. Let's have a toast for the douchebags. Let's that have was a like toast the- for the assholes. <laughs> Let's have a toast for the scumbags, every one of them that I know. Let's have a toast for the jerk-offs that'll never take work off. 
Baby, I got a plan. Run away as fast as you can. Man, Run I fucking away love from that song. Me, baby. Run away from me. Ba- and then at the end, when it goes into that solo, that electric key solo or whatever that is, man, that was tight. Well, God, he does, when he tight. does that and then he, he adds in like his uh, digitized vocals into it too mm-hmm. to make it sound like a guitar. Oh, yeah. man. That, that was fucking sick. It was sick. And that song is long, but hey, ain't nothing wrong with that song. It's I the mean, right length. Who else could do a 15-minute like hip-hop opus? Yeah. Who? Exactly. It's that Yeezy. Although, Heather, there's one other song I would have accepted when on the songs I was thinking of, and that would be the Death Triangle theme song from AEW. Hmm. Really? Yeah, okay. that's that's the stable that Pint is in, so it's great. Okay. It's just good to see the I Death Triangle it. like fully back together because Pac's been out for a few weeks. So it's been, it's been nice to see the Death Triangle fully come together. It's really fun. Okay. And on that note, here's our theme song. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Saint Maud. Which, if you're looking where to find this movie, it's very hard to find. It's only on Epics right now, which they do have like a little 99 cent, like two month trial. Like 99 cents a month for two months. So it's not a bad deal to get it like that. But this was just one of those movies we were talking about because we saw trailers for it like two years ago in 2019. It was supposed to come to theaters last year and just like almost every other movie in the history of the universe, it disappeared and apparently went to epics. So we just really wanted to watch it. So yeah, here we are. Like I said, we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with it. We will go... Spoiler-free, then recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. So with all that, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about St. Maud? Man, if if St. Maud had a theme song, it would probably be Randy Orton's theme song. Because some of the lyrics to his song are, I hear voices in my head. They talk to me. They understand. They talk to me. And man, dude, that, that, that kind of... uh. I think that's a great song for this character. Um, I, I was digging this movie, man. I, I kind of dug it, man. Um, I thought it was weird that this was in the horror section. I didn't know that this movie was um, categorized as a horror movie. Okay. So I definitely had. I just, with that, that kind of just jumps ahead to what I was, I was going to ask you guys later, but I'll do it now for you. And then I'll ask you, Heather, when you do yours part, what would you classify this movie as? Because I was thinking the same thing. It's classified as horror, but what do you think it should have been classified as? Because I agree, I don't think it would have been horror. Yeah. To me, it was more psychological thriller to me. Fair enough. I can see that. Oh, was I only, was I only answering? I, yes, I don't know yes, if you yeah. I'll ask Kelly what she does us part. both. Okay, my bad, my bad. I don't know. I was like, are you going to answer, Heather? <laughs> my bad, Heather. Um, 
But yeah, so that's how I saw this movie. So when I, and even when I saw the preview, that was what jumped out at me. It didn't feel like it was going to be a horror film. I saw some dark stuff. I saw some kind of creepy stuff. But even when I saw the preview of this, what jumped out at me was, oh man, this is going to be on some psych, you know, like a psychotic religious thriller type movie. So that was what I was fully expecting. And then when we pulled up this epic app and everything, and I saw it in the horror section, I was like, oh, it's a horror film. So then it, I kind of, when I saw that, I went, okay. So then I, I had certain expectations going in. And yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what, what you were even thinking to ask us, Sterling, because yeah, this is not what I would call a traditional horror movie. So I think that that is definitely something that needs to be said about it. I, I did what I expected to get from this as far as a horror movie I did not get. But what I got, I still found intriguing and enjoyed. Um, I think that the performances in this were good, mainly, and I hope I don't screw the pooch on her name, but Morphid Clark, I'm going to say that's how you say that. Um, as Maude and Jennifer L as Amanda, I really liked them. They were, they both were a good dynamic with each other. I liked their scenes with each other and everything like that. Um, I thought that they played well off of each other, but this really is an acting vehicle for Morphe Clark. She's as Maude. She's the one who you see the most. She's the one who were whose journey we're seeing the most. That's the character study that this undertakes in this film. And man, she, I thought that she was great. I thought that she was very convincing as this character. Um, I thought that she conveyed every emotion that needed to be conveyed. Um, and this very much, even though it does have some religious themes, I think that there's a lot of other things here too, just about, trauma and PTSD and um, how you view, how your viewpoint of things that happens to you can really determine what your reality is and how you see things and how you react to things. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot here under the surface but the movie itself is fairly simple. I mean, this seems like it didn't cost much to produce. Like we're we're in very simple locations. We're inside houses or we're at a bar or we're on the street. You know, nothing seemed too crazy about this. A lot of the effects and everything are very simplistic. I mean, I'm sure there are some special effects, but I don't know how much of that was used. And I think that it's a testament to the direction of this. Um, Rose Glass, who directed and wrote this, I think it's a testament to her because, I mean, a lot of simple techniques were used here very effectively. This has a very good cinematography. It has a good atmospheric tone to it. Like, you always feel that there's this impending doom. It had a way of kind of building the tension of the moment. Like there are these pocketed moments of tension and the wave and the music and everything like that. Like it did a good job, I think, 
of providing a spooky, dark atmosphere. But it's not a scary movie in that sense. Even though the atmosphere is there, it has some of the dressing. This isn't a movie where you're being jump scared. This isn't a movie where it's like the the point of this is to scare you. I really think the point of this is to really um, kind of mess with you psychologically. It kind of messes with you in that way. It gets you to think. And then it gives you a story that I think invokes conversation when it's over. So yeah, um, I, I definitely like this. And and this is definitely on some indie movie stuff. So li- like if you're a person who likes that kind of stuff, you know, um, there's scenes of people, of a person standing there in picturesque scenery or, you know, inaudible um, stuff happening while the, there's silence or there's music playing or just uh, weird cutting and moving of the camera to kind of create this sort of effect of like a person swirling or trying to use different jump cuts and angles to kind of display a certain psychotic mood. You know, this is very much in that spirit. So if you like movies like that, you've seen movies like that, I think you'll dig it. So yeah, um, I enjoyed this and I think it's going to be fun to talk about in more detail. Heather, what about you? Also, remember, start us off with what genre you think it should be. Or, yeah, just in general. I would probably agree with Justin in that it's a psychological thriller or um, an, a drama with horror elements, similar to like a hereditary type of style. Um, that's what I would classify it as, for sure. Um, but definitely not like a straight horror film. So... Um, yeah, I have, I mean, I have mixed feelings about this movie. I think that it is, um, a really well shot movie. I think the cinematography is really, really good. I think the acting is phenomenal. Um, I think, yeah, Maude was great. Um, what is her name again? It's, oh gosh. Um, it like yeah, more, more yeah. Clark. <laughs> yeah. More Clark. She did a fantastic job um, as the lead in this. I think she was really, um, as the character, I think she was pretty captivating. And also uh, Jennifer Ale, who played Amanda. Yeah, like you were saying, they were, I mean, and there's not a whole lot of people in this movie anyway. But I guess it wasn't really needed for the story they were telling. So I think that they did a great job in their acting performances. I think their dynamic and their chemistry together was really good. I'm just, it, to me, actually, I did find it to be like a very cringy movie. <laughs> there were just a lot of parts in it that was, it was hard to watch. It's a very hard to watch movie, in my opinion. Um, just some scenes where, you know, kind of like the body horror stuff going on. And I don't know, it was just, it was very difficult to sit through parts of it because of, I mean, I think it had a pretty creepy vibe to it. Um, I think it... Yeah, I think parts of it were kind of disturbing, but I think um I think it was again sort of how we talked about with Promising Young Woman that they made a specific stylistic choice to leave a lot out of Maud's life before, you know, we see her in her situation she is in now. Um I kind of liked it, but it actually was a little bit I was a little bit different in my take on it in this than I was from Promising Young Woman because I think giving a little bit more 
um, background information on her. You know, I know we'll get into stuff. I think that that would have been um, a little bit more of a benefit for this specific film. But uh, just to kind of lead up to, you know, how did she get where she is now? So um, I, I think it was kind of slow in some parts, um, which again might be why I didn't consider it really a horror film because they didn't even, they didn't really have jump scares or anything either. Um, there are some parts in it that were a little too cringy for me. Um, and I just think that I think it's on purpose supposed to be a, a movie that is, um, hard to watch. I think, what is it? Controversial. Yeah. I think it's, it's like that on purpose and they did a good job of that. They very, very much toe that line of, you know, you asking questions afterwards and you, you know, kind of making you think about some things with it. So, um, it definitely does leave an impression in that sense, but I think just in general, it's just not my cup of tea of a type of movie. So, um, not to say like, oh, it's a terrible movie. It's just, I think parts of it were just a little bit too, uh, too weird or too out there for me to say I enjoyed it fully. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I didn't leave it being like, man, I'm really, I really enjoyed that movie. But that's not to say, you know, it wasn't good. It was just, there were parts of it that were a little too cringy and too, too disturbing for my liking. Um, but there are some really good elements in it too. So, yeah. I'm kind of with you guys on the genre thing. Uh, psychological thriller with like mild horror elements or not necessarily, uh, not mild in the degree of, more or less mild in few, like, so I guess psychological thriller with a few horror elements, if you will. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I mean, a lot of this, I'm going to just parrot you guys. Uh, you know, the acting was great. The cinematography was great. I will say this. I think coming in at a solid 84 minutes might be just have been a game changer for me. <laughs> Because yeah, I think great length. 84 minutes might be the perfect movie length. I'm not saying that this is a perfect movie, but I am saying the 84 minutes felt like a perfect movie length. I was just like, man, I don't even need 90 minutes. I need 84 <laughs> till the end of credits. Nice. Like, oh man, That's I true. can't tell you how refreshing it was that a movie that was supposed to come out in 2020 came in at a solid 84 minutes man just warmed my heart really like just it filled me with it like a pure sense of euphoria that a movie just knew more or less how to stay in its lane it just knew how to give me the perfect length of movie i was great i mean i do i do understand where heather's coming from saying that like she wishes they kind of went more into mod's past instead of maybe just flashing images of it here and there but i think if they did that it wouldn't have been 84 minutes. It might have been like 91 minutes. And it was just so good at 84. Man, like, I think this is the first time that at 84 is like an A-plus grade, man. I mean, that really was probably to me the most astounding thing about this movie is it was able to fluctuate in pace. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Sometimes that's a good way to tell a story, to have some kind of, more fast paced moments and then you slow it down and things like that. Like give it a sense of motion just off your pacing. It was able to do that 
and not drag out. Because I feel like that is the problem with what Justin was saying sometimes when it comes to like indie movies, if you will, where it's like those art house films where because they're like so, so much about, oh, it's the art aspect of it. They stick around longer than they should. They just mm-hmm. fill it with so much, like so many fluff shots. And that's what it is. It's rarely in the narrative. It's just fluff pieces randomly scattered throughout it. Like, oh, I'm going to do a 30 second crane shot of a random tree. Cool, bro. I don't fucking need that in your movie, though. Like, you know, they just do shit like that. Or or they add shit to the narrative that muddies it. Like Justin said, this is a very simplistic movie as far as the plot goes. It's very straightforward, you know. And But I, I say that when there there are elements of mystery to it. But it's just one of those things where it doesn't give you a bunch of stuff you don't need. It might not give you all of what you do need at times, like in Heather's case. But I'll say this, at least it doesn't give me a bunch of bullshit I don't need. Oh, that would have fucking killed me. It really would have. But this movie did a very good job of just staying where it needed to be. And I really appreciated that. Um, I am kind of glad like it ended up being the movie it was. I'm glad it didn't go down too much of the horror side of it. Because I think that that would have really killed the story they, they were telling. You know, if you put too much of that into it. There was that movie that, uh, oh, that Heather and I did. What was it? The Relic. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it tried 100% to be a horror movie. It wasn't one. The story it was telling didn't really lend itself totally to being a horror movie. And so when it tried to shove all the horror, like really like deep horror elements into it, especially at the end of it, it just becomes a muddy, fucked up mess, you know? And so this, I'm glad it didn't go that route. It hinted like it was going to, but it didn't. And I was like, that's all I need. Give me some elements of it. You know, like you, like Jasmine was saying, and like Heather was saying, like, fuck with your brain a little bit. You know, there are some scenes in it, like that Heather was saying, that are very like cringy. And it's not like cringy, like, ooh, that's bad. It's cringy, like, oh, I don't want to see that. Kind of like a Saw movie, like with yeah. some of their things. Yeah. Where it just kind of makes you, it, it gives you those body shivers. Yeah, exactly. Know? And I love that because I think the way they did it too, and we'll go into it a little bit. I think the way they did it was smart. It didn't go grotesque with it, which I appreciated with, you know, it didn't get grotesque with that, which would have also taken it out of what it was like, what it was trying to do. So I'm just really kind of glad it stayed where it did. And especially nowadays in 2021, it's so common for movies to just start one way and they devolve. They think they're evolving. Yeah. They think they're evolving or changing into a different style. Nine times out of ten, they're pulling a fucking Super Mario Brothers the movie with the de-evolution ray, and they are fucking going backwards. And they just are so up their own ass, they don't even realize they're doing it. And I'm really glad this movie wasn't one of those. And it was 84 minutes. Oh my god, it's so amazing. Anyway, um, uh, recommendations and scores? Sound it off. Recommendations and score. I was looking at my little sound pad and I'm like, fuck, which one is it? I got it. <laughs> um, uh, Heather, what's your recommendation and score? Um, I 
I think that this is a movie for a certain type of audience. Um, I think that it's not, like I said, it's not really my cup of tea, so I can't really fully say yes. I definitely recommend this movie. There are people, it's a very artistic, stylistic movie. And if you're on board with that kind of thing, then you'll probably like this movie a lot. Um, I can't personally say that I recommend it. I don't think it was exceptional at anything necessarily. I do think Sterling is right. It's great that they were able to tell like a full story within 84 minutes. And you did get a complete story out of, you know, this movie. Um, But it's just not one that I will personally be revisiting. Um, So I'm I'm pretty much really kind of on the fence with this one. Um, because I do think the acting was phenomenal. I think it was really great. And I think that the underlying story of what they were doing was interesting. Um, it just wasn't executed quite in the, in the way that I, that kept me intrigued with this movie. Um, but you know, I'm kind of on the fence, so I'm going to give it 50, uh, jugs of acetone to pour on yourself out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah. Um, I I think I'm going to recommend it. Um, I, I really think that this is a, a good movie. I mean, may, who knows? Maybe when we get to the, well, actually, you said this was released in, is this, did th- was this last year's release or was it this year's? It was supposed to be last year's, but it's a this year release. Okay. Okay. Because, um, because I don't know, man. I mean, maybe this might wind up being kind of one of my hidden gems when we get to the end of the year, like that movie that nobody saw, but they should have. I really liked this. I think that it, like a lot of those indie darlings that Sterling is talking about, it's artistic, but what it is, is it's decisive. And that's the word that kept coming to mind, Sterling, as you were talking about the length and everything like that. That's what I think I like about this narrative the most. It's decisive. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It knows what it wants to say. It understands what message it was trying to convey. And and it it takes you on a very specific journey and puts you and and puts the the viewer in a certain mindset. And then at the end, it gives you an ending where you understand exactly what was happening here. And it does it all in 84 minutes. So, I mean, and I think that that's what I liked about it. It's decisive. Like, I think that sometimes when movies like this, especially like when there's religious material and there's like all these like different things happen and there's interpretations, and especially when you have a movie of... Is it real or is it not? I feel like sometimes those movies get indecisive, especially towards the end, or they get too ambiguous or, you know, it, the, they're into their own heads. <laughs> See what I did there? They're into their own heads and they can't really figure out how this thing is supposed to end. But I like the decisiveness that this has, like... Uh, like I watch you, you watch it from top to bottom and you pretty much understand in, in that final shot, you understand what happened here. So I appreciate that. And I think it's good, man. I think this will wind up being a hidden gem of the year. So we're going to go with 85, uh, God orgasms out of a hundred. <laughs> oh Lord. How do I follow that kind of score? Really? 
Like, how do I, I put words after you say God orgasms? God orgasms. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I kind of side with Justin here. Uh, I do recommend this movie. Uh, I like the way Justin kind of phrased a lot of his stuff. And I think it kind of really fits with my trend of, like, with the whole hidden gym thing of them being, like, short 90-ish minute movies. Because, man, that crawl. Woo, that crawl. <laughs> Which, uh, also, the main character of this movie is in Crawl 2. Just so you know. Well, Crawl also. Not Crawl 2. Really? There's not a sequel to Crawl. But, yes. Um, Morphid. Is, is that her name? Moffid. What's her name? Morphid. Morphid? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Is she the main character? No, no, she's not the main character, but she is in that movie. So they're like, see, see, she knows what she knows what I like. She knows to be in those ninety-minute movies, and I love it. Ninety-ish minute because this is that sweet, sweet eighty-four. Woo, man! Next year we might get one of those where it's like an hour twenty. Oh man! Oh man! Eighty minutes? Can you believe it? Oh, that'd be so great. Anyway, but. No, I just, I like how this movie comes in. And like Jasta said, decisive. It comes in, it tells the story it wants to tell, and then it gets the fuck out. Like a responsible movie going experience. I mean, Heather brought up the movie, like, Hereditary. And this is like the anti-Hereditary. This movie is the anti-Midsummer. This movie is the anti-a lot of A24 movies lately, where they get on some bullshit and they overstay their welcome. <laughs> And they just do some dumb fucking shit. And this one, nope, just comes in and it goes. And I get it. Oh, man. Like, I, I get part of where Heather's coming from, though. I get, if this movie isn't your cup of tea, you're not really going to enjoy that 84 minutes. You're kind of going to be thankful that it's 84 minutes because you're like, I didn't want any more. I'm thankful it's 84 because 84 means it doesn't have time to go dumb. Like, so many movies just overstay their welcome and they get dumb. If you've got a premise that is a difficult premise, like this one, it's not necessarily a difficult premise. It's just a premise you don't want to be around long for any any reason. Crawl has a premise you don't want to be around long because if you're around long, it gets dumb. You start thinking, that's a fucking dumb, but it doesn't. See, that's why Diamonds is the perfect length of song. That's what I'm saying. I don't know about that because we already have that runaway at 15 and it's, it never gets dumb. Hmm. Runaway. Maybe, maybe it's been a while since I listened to all of Diamonds, Heather. Maybe after this, I will go listen to all three minutes and 45 seconds of Diamonds. Okay. Mm hmm. But like Crawl would get dumb if it went too long, but it doesn't because they're smart people. And this one does the same thing. This one wouldn't get dumb necessarily if it was long. But maybe it would have gotten too uncomfortable. Maybe it would have just gotten a little, like, to the part, like, or to the point to where you wouldn't be able to shake it. And, like, you wouldn't be able to shake the disturbing nature of some of the things. And a movie like this kind of relies on you, too. You have to lose that disturbing edge every once in a while for the story to flow. And this movie does that. But it also is very good at when it's not being disturbing you feel like it might come quick. Like you feel, you feel that slight undercurrent of it, you know, and in a lot of cases it would probably be called tension. But I think in this, it's that slight amount of disturbedness that just kind of is in the background of everything. 
and it's just always there. But it, like, you know, they'll turn the volume down on it. So it's not the, in the forefront. So it then it doesn't kill your mood with it. You know, this movie just handles that so well. And like I said, by being as short as it is, it doesn't get to the point to where it feels gratuitous with its disturbing nature, especially at the end. Once it gets to the end, when the disturbing scenes kind of start piling on each other a little more and a little more, it doesn't get to the point to where, A, you either become numb to it, so it's no longer effective, or that it's just so much that you just don't even want to continue. Because that can happen. You know, you're just kind of flooded with it that it brings you down so much. You're just like, fucking end. I don't want to watch anymore. You know, or you might just turn it off. I'm not typically that type of person, so I wouldn't do that. But I could see where people would, you know. And this movie plays all those aspects so smart because I don't. Well, it gets right up to the line sometimes with it. And it does, like, get cringy and disturbing. It doesn't get it so gratuitous that it's too much. And I think that's incredibly smart. Um, I'll give this an 88. Uh, an 88 supporting actresses that just visually remind me so fucking much of Meryl Streep out of a hundred. <laughs> she did that. look like Meryl. <laughs> she just looks like a young Meryl and she's not even that young. I mean, I say that she's like not too much older than us, but I'm just saying like, she looks like, like 28 year old Meryl. She's not 28, but she did great. She should be a more shit. Really liked her. According yeah. to IMDb, she's like 51. Yeah, exactly. But Good she, job looking young. Yeah, she just <laughs> wow. reminds me of like Meryl Streep from Kramer versus Kramer, though. Yeah. Um, spoilers? Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. All right, so this movie made me think, maybe I should have grown up in Britain because apparently something that can happen in Britain is you just get hand jobs in the hallways of bars. <laughs> Like, did I grow up in the wrong country? Because that looks like freedom. That was just such a random scene. I kind of had to do to the listener what that scene does to the movie because it's just out of nowhere. She's like, oh, I'm going to be flirtatious because I feel like God's abandoned me. Handy in the hallway. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Um, I really loved how this movie like devolved at the end. Like, like, well, not the movie didn't devolve. How it showed mod devolving at the end. Like, I was really kind of, I was taken aback that they did the whole uh, Amanda, like, becoming the devil thing. And mm -hmm. I, I like how they they show you, I like, and this, like, is a very Justin thing to say. I love how they showed it, but didn't tell it. Because in the way that you figure out it's a vision, when they start that scene, when they start that aspect of it, I love how it comes across, like, oh, no, she was right, the devil's in that woman type of thing. But then, like, at the end of that scene, you're like, oh, no, that was a psychotic vision. And I love how they showed it. They didn't ever, they didn't tell it, but they showed it. I don't think that there's any real vagueness to it. I think it's very definitive that it was a psychotic vision. But I like how they played it, not necessarily like it was one, but it was obvious by the end of it that it was. Without it just doing that whole stupid thing of, showing a, a flash of it the other way, you know, like that she's like, no, Maude, don't do that. And then getting stabbed, you know, like so many of these movies would do. And also, man, that ending was fucking nuts. When she's all on fire and thinking she's an angel and shit, 
and it just does that one quick flash of that bitch screaming on fire. I thought that was great. That was great. Yeah. That was great. I give like, it that for sure. That that was, I loved that, man, because like, if there was any confusion about, is this real? Is this not real? Is this in her head? If there, if you were confused at any point in that, you got it by the end of that. And it was oh, yeah. just a two second shot. And that's all you needed to see. Oh, it was I don't just even that think two, it's two seconds. I think yeah, that's literally like a half second, one flash, bam. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That might be one of the best, like, final shots of a film. <laughs> that might be up there. That is up there. I was like, Honestly, wow. Honestly, I don't disagree was, with that. Yeah. It's up there. Like, I think that's one of the best final shots of something I've seen. Just because it was so short, but it answered literally all questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It verified it, you know. I mean, I liked how I wasn't confused by that point that it was very obvious, but I, I just love the fact that if you were, you had all the answers just instantly. And it's just one of those things. It's, I, I love that lack of ambiguity to it. And I mean, cause like, I like, you know, like I said, I, I had no doubt, especially after the whole, when she killed Amanda thing. I mean, granted, there's also like the glowing angel wing scene. Like, it's very obvious that, yeah, it's a psychotic break, but you know, movies like this, it could play it that no, God was literally turning her into an angel. That would not be the most ridiculous thing a movie like that could have done because a lot of movies would have done that, you know? And I just loved that it was doing that whole thing. And I, cause I'm watching that scene and I'm like, huh, is she doing like going like solid Buddhist monk to where she's just on fire and not screaming? Like she's so mind over matter at this point that she's not even screaming. Like I knew that everybody wasn't just like bowing down to her on the fucking, you know, beach, but I'm just like, oh, is she actually like not screaming? Is she going E Honda from the Street Fighter movie when he's getting whipped? Just mind over a matter. She's in her happy place. I was like, that's crazy. And then it's just flash of her screaming while just engulfed in flames. And you're just like, oh no, she's screaming. But I loved I just love the way they played the imagery. Like I know that there's like lots of things that like they were I mean they were very reminiscent ow Oh, sorry, my cat started, like, clawing my leg. Um, they were very reminiscent of The Exorcist at one point with the her, like, her, like, floating above the uh, the floor and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering when they get to that scene and stuff, I'm like, oh, are they going to go supernatural with this now? Is it going to go from, you know, she's having a slight psychotic break to, oh, this is going full on, like, supernatural now? Is that what this movie's going to do? And I just loved it. Like, like I said, after that Amanda scene, I was like, oh, no, she's just imagining all the supernatural parts. And then it goes into like the glowing angel wings and all this other stuff. And then, oh, man. But I just love how, like you and me talked about, Justin, that like it was so decisive that they even went into that last scene just with that. Now we're just going to do a flash. We don't need more than that. Like, and that's one of the things I appreciated that. It didn't go all fucking Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage where he's just stupidly screaming on fire. Like, this movie just did it in a smart way. It knew you didn't need to really see 30 seconds of her burning herself alive on the beach. Yeah. You and everybody's standing around second. looking shocked and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You didn't need that. You needed half a second. And it's just that one, like, fucking frame. Just bam. Oh, uh, it's fucking great. And then, like, 
and what we were talking about earlier with some of the other scenes with the body mutilation and stuff, when she's like pulling that uh, that burn scab off the back of her hand, I like that they at least broke it up by cutting to other scenes where it wasn't more or less just her like monologuing or doing that pr- you know, or just her talking or praying or however you want to word that and just ripping that off for like four minutes straight. You know what I mean? At least it wasn't that. At least it did break it up with other images in there. So it wasn't completely grotesque. Like, I understand, though, that when she was, when it was showing those scenes, all kind of makes you, gives you those shivers. I get it. But at least they broke it up. Like, that's where I think at least this movie, when it did those things, was smart about it. Although that whole, when she's walking around with those spikes in her shoe, oh, man. Oh, man. Made my toesies curl. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, no. And I mean, just all the stuff that she was doing to punish herself whenever she thought she was going astray or wasn't hearing the message or whatever the case may be or couldn't understand the message or or, or whenever she saw. I never understood with the swirling water or beer or when it was the clouds were swirling. I wasn't really sure what that was about unless she just thought that maybe that was God's presence or God's message to her um, or something like that. I I wasn't quite sure if that had just one sort of meaning, but I did notice that every time there was a swirl, she would then hurt herself in some way afterwards. So I don't know if that was like her punishing herself because she couldn't, she didn't feel she could understand. And then some of the voiceover stuff kind of supports that. But yeah, man, just all the self-mutilation. And then I like how, like, like sometimes there were body shots of her, of her stomach, and you could see all of these like cut marks along the bottom of her stomach, like where her navel is and stuff. You could see all these cut marks. So obviously she, this is part of, something that she does it's almost like ritualistic to her like there there has to be pain um that comes with these beliefs you know it was just interesting and yeah Justin, kind of on that and i i could be wrong but i feel like i thought maybe that well by the end of it i thought maybe the whirlpools were supposed to be kind of like a foreshadowing or like a prophecy for her because at the end you know she sees like that swirling cloud and it opens up and so I didn't know if it was supposed to be like a foreshadowing of what her destiny is supposed to be or something like that. You know, I could be wrong, but that's what I took it as. No, I get some of that. I get some of that because, yeah, the last because you see all those those swirls. And then, yeah, the last one she sees is the one in the sky. And then it kind of looked like almost like the heavens were opening up for her. So maybe for her, all of it was just all of that was imagined because maybe that was the. A eventual plan. So yeah, you could be right about that. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. So, but, but that would match up with everything that we saw. So shoot, I'll take it. <laughs> well, my interpretation with that was more or less that like the swirls in the world pool type of things was kind of more or less like to her representing the presence of God, whether it meant she was, you know, God was pleased with her or God was upset with her really dependent on the scene but in general it was the presence of god because i think where it came from it it kind of flashes towards at the beginning of the movie with that ordeal with the old woman 
that she more or less killed while giving CPR. She had blood on her hands. I think that it originally stems from like watching the blood go down the drain when she washed her hands from that incident. And like that was like the turning point incident that she more or less went from being Katie to Maud, like finding God and all this other stuff. So like the swirling like liquids or just the swirlingness in general was like her like visually seeing the presence of God to her because of that turning point in her life from she feel like that old woman died because of all the sin and debauchery she used to do, you know, and that was the turning point of when she tried to leave that life behind type of situation. Good catch. Because, see, I didn't realize that the blood in that scene was swirling. Okay, yeah, it, it, then, then I think you're right. I think that's absolutely right. Because, yeah, obviously, when she killed that patient, that trauma led to all of this. So I think that you're absolutely right. She's all of those traumatic events. She tried to make it mean like that was the whole point. Don't waste your pain. She was trying to make that that psychological break, that accident. She was trying to make it all mean something. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I killed this person and I had to have done that for a reason. That blood swirling in the um, in, in the drain, that swirl is God presence in me. I mean, even that bug that she saw that, that was crawling on the ceiling when she was just like floored by what she had done. And that bug kept coming up and crawling in the house and stuff like that. And he, and, and yeah, now that I think about it, Sterling, yeah, because even that bug, she would kind of look around and she'd see that bug and it would be like, what is God trying to say? You know, she took all the pieces from that traumatic night when she did that, and they all kind of meant something to this delusion, you know, this delusion about God and, like you said, her becoming mod, you know. So, yeah, I think you're right about that. And, I mean, that is one of the good things about this movie is, I mean, we all could be full of fucking shit. It could just be something that they thought was, like, a visual way to represent something different, you know. But at least... With this movie, while being kind of vague with that, it's still, this movie's, and this is why I think this movie works so well, it's still very deliberate with it. We might not know why, but the movie knows why. And ultimately, in the end, I didn't feel like I necessarily needed to know why, you know? And so I think that that's where this movie kind of works. Like, I think you're able to kind of loosely put together what happened, you know, what event happened that traumatized her through various scenes in the movie. I don't know to what degree, but honestly, I really do think that the one scene when she's having sex with that guy and she flashes to that woman and she's giving her CPR and that woman's chest collapses on her. I think that that's what happened because we do yeah, know do she too. had, she had blood on her hands afterwards, you know, now I don't yeah. quite understand the whole, like why the woman's body was crumpled up thing that it kind of showed. At least that's what I saw. Like, it's like the woman's, she was like folded in half. I don't know. Um, but I more or less think that like that's what happened. And you're able to kind of piece that together. And you're able to kind of piece together through like the dialogue with that guy that she, you know, used to just go get drunk and fuck around and like lived life like it didn't fucking matter. And was just constantly doing that. And, you know, maybe you had overextended herself based on what her friend was saying. 
and was just so out of it that she went too hard and killed that woman. Well, I mean, and it's even one of those things. It's like, can you really say she killed that woman? Because the woman was already dying. But it's a lot harder to resuscitate somebody when they've got a hole in their chest. So, you know, that just depends on how you want to look at it. But, I mean, I, I just like the depths this movie goes to. Like, showing how some people deal with, like, PTSD and all this other stuff. Like, you know, all the, like, the self-harm she was doing. Like, and she was doing it in her own mind, like, in a way that she felt was positive. You know, I will say this. I don't know of any popcorn bag you can open up and just get a bunch of kernels out like that. Because most of the time, they're in, like, a little thing of dried oil and salt. They're not really just kernels in a bag. I'm just throwing that out there. But... You know, there's that scene, but like, and then it goes, it, I mean, and it goes to like to some disturbing links outside the, like the self-mutilation that even when she's like sleeping with that guy and, you know, she's having sex with him and, and she has that vision and she wants to stop. And then the guy essentially just rapes her right after. It's not even essentially, he does. He rapes her and then she just lies there and takes it because that's now penance for her debauchery she was just doing. Like, because that becomes the pain that becomes the you know, like I said, the penance for her sin, like right there, like, and it just, it was unique with how it showed how she could go from what she thought was doing the right thing and she can be happy with it and feel like God's happy, but then also still didn't feel the need to punish herself because she didn't feel like God was happy enough with her. Like so much so that, yeah, she lights herself on fire, which I don't know if acetone is that flammable. I know it's flammable. I just don't think it's that flammable. I don't think you can pour it all over yourself and legitimately light yourself on fire. Like, I'm not saying you can't, like, light yourself on fire. Yeah, you'd burn yourself and stuff. But I'm talking about, like, full-blown Johnny Blaze fucking Human Torch. Or, no, Johnny Blaze is Ghost Rider. Either way, the analogy works. Like, I just don't know if you could full-blown go that route with just acetone. I'm not going to try. No one else should try. But I'm just saying. Um, Heather, what about you? What are some more thoughts from you? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, in some of the things you guys mentioned too, I do absolutely agree. I think it's very specific in the details that it does and doesn't want you to see. And I think that even though, like we said about the ending, how it kind of pretty much explains everything, it's still throughout the movie leaves so much up to interpretation, um, which in some ways is kind of cool, such as, you know, the scene at the very end with Amanda, you know, when she ends up killing her because she thinks that it's the devil. We don't know what was actually said in any of that conversation or if there was ever a conversation at all or if Amanda was just sleeping and she just went in there and stabbed her and imagined a conversation at all. Like, we just don't know some of the things of, you know, what basically, I mean, like, what is her reality versus actual reality? And I think that it was it was smart to do it that way. But again, like I was saying, I just feel like I just think because of how very, um, for one, how very devout in her faith she now suddenly is being like a new convert versus also like, obviously, there's this huge traumatic thing that's kind of triggering a lot of this in this psychotic break. Um, it just would be good to know more specifically what happened. Um, and so that was something I really had hoped we would find out throughout the movie bit by bit. And obviously you find out a little bit, like we were saying, but 
I just think that it would have served the movie well to know a little bit of that. And that scene, too, where, you know, you see all of these marks on her body and, you know, things like that. Um, there was also, um, and I, I was kind of reading up on some of the stuff, too, but um, you also see, like, stretch marks, too, which could indicate that she was at one point pregnant. You know, so there's just all of these things that you're really kind of speculating about, which I think does make the movie. I think that is the most interesting thing about the movie is that you're you're so curious about what's led her to this point and this part of her life and the situation she's in. You know, that's that's the thing that is most interesting about this movie is like what's led to this point, like what exactly happened to her to cause where she's at mentally and even what caused her to even turn to a faith at all. So I just feel like it would have served the movie well to give even a little bit of that. I mean, even when her her nursing school friend or whoever it was came and stopped by and talked to her, the fact that they kind of faded out her voice when she was talking about what was going on, you 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 get the feeling that it doesn't, it's, I mean, it's important, obviously, because it was kind of the catalyst that sets off how Maude is now. And basically the catalyst that makes her mod because she was Katie before it, right? So it's just one of those things where they're very intentionally making it mysterious, you know, and and again, an artistic choice, which I think is really creative. And that was cool. I do think that, I mean, and it could just be, and it could just be me just because I always get a little bit more like cringy and I find movies about like, spiritual matters to be a little bit more disturbing when it's on the horror element side. So that could be why for me, it was a little bit more disturbing. But I just, I don't know, I feel like it it really kind of toes this line of she's clearly, you know, um, she's, she's not dealing with trauma. And her finding this faith was supposed to be, I think, her way of dealing with that and coming to resolve with her past but she didn't really ever (laughs) like i think it was it was kind of like a mask it was a mask of if i become this person and i just kind of try not to think about it and focus on this specific thing then i don't have to think about it which clearly didn't work so i feel like this is a lot about underlying not dealing with your trauma which in itself is a really great message to be like, you know, deal with it because things happen, you know, and, and, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of, um, things that allude to mental illness in this with mod. Um, but I think it just, it's so, <laughs> it's just so tricky with how it toes its line between like, you know, I, I just, it, it's so, it toes a line of, you know, what's faith versus what is reality and it it's tricky because I feel like at points, it kind of, the way the story goes, makes it seem like if you have a faith, you're either a super crazy, like, faith nut, or you're just delusional altogether. And I think it kind of finally toes that line a little bit too much for my liking, which I think is why it's not so much my cup of tea. But there are some underlying things that it does, like even you could just tell how broken Maude is and how she's just like internalizing all of these things. And that's why she gets to the point that she gets to. And 
I mean, even to the point where she supposedly hears God talking to her, which I think is kind of cool, which I read about too, is that voice is actually Maud. <laughs> like it's Maud's voice just kind of taken down a few notches, which I thought was a really cool and creative thing to do. That's again, tight. showing, yeah, again, showing like she's, she's making this up. She's hearing herself, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which I actually think was a really brilliant thing to do. But you know what I mean? It's just kind of like it, it very finely toes a line between are you mentally like you're not mentally all there if you're just so adamant about your faith versus no, it's just somebody who hasn't dealt with their trauma that's masking their pain with this faith that they have, but really just trying to not deal with it. So it, it's a really fine line that they toe. And at moments, they do it in a in a unique way, in a good way. But there's other moments where I feel like, ooh, like, for example, what you referenced, Jason, with the God orgasm. <laughs> that was a little bit too much for me. I always think it's super weird when people like associate, you know, having like a Holy Spirit in you or like, you know, the presence of God in you, they make it into something sexual. And I think it's super weird. <laughs> so for me, like stuff like that, I was like, ooh, that's a little bit too much for me. You know, so that's why for me, I, I don't like that kind of thing in this movie. But, you know, preference. I just felt like that was a little too cringy. And then the whole thing of like, she really took on that thing of, I'm going to be her savior. I'm going to be her savior. You know what I mean? And um, just the the needles in the feet and like all of these things where she just really thought she was above and that she was just an angel of some kind where nothing could touch her. And man, you have to have some kind of real, like real kind of mental break to think like, you're not going to have pain after you do that to yourself. You know what I mean? But I mean, there's also like she, like you were saying Sterling earlier about she's in her happy place. She's in that state where she actually isn't feeling this pain because she's where, you know, she's in that place. She's so mentally thinking that this is the reality of it, that she's not feeling that pain. So it's, it really just leaves so much up in the air, but um, man, it's so disturbing in a lot of ways too, though. Like, I don't know, like her conversation with um, Amanda about or like when she turns into the devil, it was just kind of like jarring and disturbing too, because again, I'm like, so what was the actual conversation? Clearly like, this wasn't what it was. Like, what was actually said? What was it? Was at least part of that conversation real? And that kind of triggered her? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's so many questions, which is, I get on purpose. But I don't know. I just feel like they could have explored just a tiny bit more. Not a whole lot, but just kind of a tiny bit more explored some of those, like, unknowns, if that makes sense. But, yeah. Justin, what about you? Cool, cool. Well, yeah, um, y'all definitely raised some, both of you raised some good points. And I think um, with some of it, I may have interpreted things a little differently, but some of, but a lot of what you guys said, I'm in a similar wavelength as well. But uh, back to what you were saying, Sterling, I do believe that you are right about that. What we saw when she was having sex with the guy and what was cool about that scene too, is that she's, She's on top of the guy and 
then and we're juxtaposing those scenes with her trying to give the patient that died CPR. But then what winds up happening is that what you see is her physically crush the chest cavity of the guy that she's having sex with. And then we see blood pour out of the guy's mouth and then it cuts to the patient and it's already kind of happened, you know? And I thought that that was so cool how they did that. So yeah, I think you're right about that. That is obviously what happened. She was trying to give the patient CPR, crush the chest cavity on accident. That's where the blood comes from. That's what uh, caused this trauma. And I don't know if any of this and I don't I'm not I don't know if she was a bad person before or anything like that. I, if anything, I think she was just normal. You know, she I, what I interpreted was she was just a normal girl just going out, you know, a student going out um, with party with friends and liked one of that one of those that guy's friends. He said Tommy or something. So maybe she was dating that person. But she was a lively just normal person. I don't think that they were implying that she was a bad person per se before this, but I think what they were showing was a contrast because look at this person now, like, okay, she used to be outgoing and all this kind of stuff. And she loved nursing and helping people and stuff like that. And then after the trauma happened, look what she was. She was secluded. She was by herself constantly. We saw scenes where she was eating by herself. She was doing things by herself. Joy, um, her friend, is um, to me is a very significant piece to this because to me, what Joy represented was the truth. That was the truth. That was the past that she was running away from. Notice how whenever Joy came around, she tried to avoid her, you know, and then and Joy was kind of asking her, oh, you got a you know, a job being a personal uh, caregiver for somebody. And then she was like, um, and they know what happened to you. You know, they gave you that job, even though they know what happened and everything. And she was like, yeah, yeah. You know, just trying to get out of there. And, you know, there was one moment where she tried to call Joy. And then for whatever reason, the way that conversation went, it didn't quite work out. Um, They didn't get to meet up. And who knows, maybe had they had met up and got to have that beer and she got to actually talk to someone and face her trauma because that's what she kept avoiding. Like, I think in that spirit, Heather, you're exactly right. That's another big part of what this is about. She's using other things to try to escape facing that trauma. And then the scene at the end towards the end with joy was very telling because joy, yes, it was muffled and it was faded. And she had her back to joy looking up at the sky, you know, look, you know, worrying about and only fixated on this delusion. Meanwhile, the truth is right behind her there with the opportunity to face it. And she's not taking that opportunity. And I think that, you know, maybe that's even the reason why that character's name is Joy, because you can't have it until you face your truth. You know, you can't have it until you face those bad things and understand how the truth um, relates to you. 
you know, facing that truth, I think, is very much a part of your joy and whether you have it or not. And this is a character that was not facing her truth and trying to use these other things to give that pain purpose rather than facing the truth of it. So I don't think it was a it was a commentary on people who have faith do this. Uh, although I think that is very true. I've met some religious people like this where they, you know, where and and who knows, maybe in a way I was this person before in, in, in my earlier life where you take, you know, something bad happens to you. And sometimes I do think that bad things just happen because bad things are going to happen. You know, just like good things are going to happen to a person. You know, sometimes it, the, I, I just feel like sometimes there is a need to make something have a purpose that maybe it shouldn't. There's sometimes a need to, you, you know, you feel like things happen to you and you want to believe that like there's got to be some reason for this. And sometimes the reason just is, is, you know, unfortunately that guy was an asshole and was mean to you. But, but, but sometimes that's not enough for people. Sometimes something bad happens so much that they feel like, oh man, and they try to use things to justify whatever that is, or they try to, or instead of kind of facing the truth of that situation, they look at, they use something else as a means to run from that. And I, and I don't think that's a commentary on faith. I just think that that is just the truth of people. Sometimes people use faith to run away from things. Sometimes people use drugs to run away from things. Sometimes people tell themselves lies to run away from things. Sometimes people use sex, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anything can be used to run from your problems. I think that the the underlying point is, is that it's not good to run from your problems, to run from your trauma to run from your truth. And that's what this character was doing. So this mission, this self-mutilation and all of these things that this character was doing, like this, even this religion, like, like, I mean, one thing that I really observed about it is that she wasn't going to any churches. She wasn't communicating with, you know, she wasn't going to any tribunal. She wasn't going to any church services or anything like that. This woman was by herself, secluding herself. She wasn't following the normal Catholic rituals. She was making up her own rules. You know what I mean? This was not somebody, this is not somebody who is following this like a devout person, like, like, like a devout person that you normally recognize or think of follows this. This is somebody who was just kind of making up her own rules. Oh, I, this must be a manifestation of God. Oh, I did this sin or whatever. I'm going to punish myself now and make these needle shoes and my air needles, and I'm going to step in them and, you know, punish myself that way. I'm going to mutilate my body. I'm going to peel at this burn. I'm going to burn myself and then I'm going to peel at it. You know, whatever she was doing, it was just all in her own mind and was her own way of serving this God. And 
you know, I think that that's really what was happening here is that she was secluding herself. And what she needed to do was she needed that friend. She needed somebody to help her face this. And even her friend Joy was saying in that conversation at the end, you know, we we should have been there to help you. You know, it's not your fault. All the stuff that I heard her saying in that muffled voice was stuff that that character really needed, but was turning her back to. Like, man, this is not your fault. You tried to help the woman. You know, it, it, we should have helped you. We sh- we should have tried to do more, but we stood there and we 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 saw you struggling, and nobody else did anything. All of that that you were hearing was the truth that this character needed to get past this situation. But she was too busy focused on this lie that she was telling herself. And sometimes that lie can be anything. For this person, it just happened to be this religious mission to save this person. And I think Amanda was a great contrast to this character because Amanda was somebody who feared death, right? Like she was, she was, um, Worried about her own mortality, right? She had this terminal cancer and and she was afraid of what the death would look like. Like there was that monologue she had at the beginning where she was like, what is it all going to look like? You know, who's going to be here? What is the what are my last moments going to be like? Is anybody going to be here? Am I going to be by myself? Um, you know, what is it going to be? And Unfortunately, she didn't predict being stabbed in the neck with scissors, but, uh, but, but, you know, that's neither here or there. Uh, but the point was, is that she was afraid of death, right? Like she was thinking about her own mortality. So she was trying to do as much living as she could, right? She was at throwing this big party for her birthday. She was paying this woman, this prostitute, I think she was a prostitute or maybe, I don't know, an escort something. She, But she had this woman coming over and she was having sex with that woman. You know, she was trying to, and what suggestion did she give Maude? She said, you're, you're so young, uh, you know, we're just kidding with you. We're joshing with you about the whole religious thing, but you're so young. You need to live your life. You need to have some fun. Notice how she was saying that to her. And then Maude was the totally the opposite. She was afraid to do any living. She was in that house by herself for the most part. She was afraid to kind of do those things because she felt like she needed this mission because of that trauma that she was she was trying to give this trauma purpose, but it was the wrong way to kind of deal with this problem. So I liked the dynamic there. And I think at the end, what I interpreted it as is, yes, Amanda had to become the devil because Amanda was doing the opposite of everything she was trying to do. She was trying to save Amanda. She couldn't. She said that Amanda in her prayer at the beginning was shrouded in darkness. She said that Amanda was a lost soul and all of these different things. But that moment that Amanda told her that that what she's believes in is not real. And it's just me and you in this room and everything that you've been doing for was for nothing that she exploded on Amanda because of that, because that invalidated this whole thing, this whole purpose that she tried to give this pain, you know, because she couldn't deal with it mentally. So she had that psychological break and she was like, man, I, 
I can't deal with this mentally, so I have to give it some sort of purpose. You know, God, so I'm going to say that God gave me this purpose. This, this, So this pain, I'm not going to waste it. And then and in that moment when Amanda said that, nope, everything that you've done, none of it matters. Nothing that you did matters. Even, even if that was the truth in that moment, that our character mod could not take that. And she exploded. And of course, she saw her manifest as the devil because it was just the opposite of everything that she was trying to do. So that's how I interpreted that. Of course, she saw the devil in that woman because she couldn't save her. She was a lost soul. So the devil took over, you know, that she has to be the devil. And so now I have to kill her. And and that's kind of what this character was. And Earlier, we saw flashes that this character could do this, just like at the party, whenever she was kind of making fun of her about having the the God orgasm or whatever, and she slapped Amanda. So we knew this character kind of had explosive tendencies, you know, very kind of explosive tendencies. And when something would go wrong, what would she do? She would cut herself. She would maim herself. So this character had the potential to do this. It was just that I think in that moment, we just got ultimately that uh, explosion. But but anyway, that's sort of how I interpreted this movie. I think that her friend was the truth, was just a manifestation of the truth that she was running from. Somebody that could potentially help her. But sometimes, man, when you suffer trauma and you're going through problems, you don't see the answers that are right in front of you. And a lot of times the answer is you need to face what happened to you. And it doesn't matter what you use to run away from it. It's probably not the best idea, whether it be religion, drugs, or whatever other conduit the person chooses. So anyway, that's how I saw the film. I will say this. In no way, shape, or form was I trying to imply that Maude as Katie was like a bad person. I'm just saying based on what, who she became as Maude, she would view that as a bad person. Cause. Oh yes. Yes. No, no. I'm just saying that because I don't think it's a bad thing. If people are going out and getting drunk and fucking, I think that's a fine thing to do. So I just want everybody to know my stance on that. I will say this. One of the things about this movie that was so difficult for me is that everybody in this movie smoked. Oh man. Like, it's very hard for me to watch movies like this because all it does is make me want to smoke the entire time the movie's on. Like, that's one of my biggest triggers when it comes to smoking is seeing people smoke in a movie or television show. Oh, 100%. Like, if you like if you were Amanda, that, that you would be Amanda, basically. Like, if you were sick and dying in a nursing home, you would still be that person, like, smoking all the time. Well, also, I just love how this movie is weirdly, vaguely ambiguous about the time period it's in. I know it's close enough to have cell phones. I get that. But, like, there were scenes in this that just kind of reminded me of the olden days when, like, her friend comes over and is in her apartment and just lights up a cigarette in her friend's apartment. Like, yeah, when she's not smoking. <laughs> like, if she's smoking, yeah, sure, whatever. But, like, she's not smoking. You can't just light up a cigarette in her apartment. But, like, it just reminded me of shit, like, from the 1960s, where even if the people didn't smoke, it was just not weird for somebody else to smoke in their house. It just reminded me of that. But, yeah. No, yeah. I know I agree with you, Heather. I would have been Amanda. 
Like, I really loved that scene when <laughs> she was getting sick when that guy was over and Maud comes in. One of the first things she does is take the cigarette away from her. And one of the first things she does right after that's light another one. <laughs> yeah. Because that's exactly how I'd be if I was getting medical care. And I'd be like, fuck you, I'm smoking. And I would just keep doing it. Every time they'd take it away, I'd just light another one. Be like, you're costing me more money. Just let me smoke it. But no, I mean, I, I do agree with a lot of the things that both of you guys said in, in, in different ways. I mean, this movie, like, while it does leave a lot up in the air, I just, I still, I think it tells the things it needs to tell, though. Like, I liked, I personally liked the fact that with her mental breaks and stuff like that, especially as she got more delusional, that you don't see the reality side of it. And I like that because I think it makes the ending a little bit more impactful just with the sheer fact that it can essentially continues the delusion all the way up until that last flash. And I think that that's what makes that even more impactful. And plus, I love the fact that this movie, I don't know if there's directly really any scene that just doesn't have mod in it, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I like how it really, it does stay with her point of view for a lot of it that, you know, she's just, devout 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 and then when she starts having the mental break like truly having the mental break the movie just shows it happening like it's happening i like that aspect of it until like i said the very end so i think that that's why it makes it more impactful and i just also appreciate the fact that like a lot of like a lot of movies can't always handle having just a main character like somebody that's literally the entire focal point of the movie. A lot of movies can't handle that. A lot of actors can't handle that. But this movie did it so well. Plus also, yeah, watch this movie just for the end. It's so awesome. Any more thoughts on this, guys? No. No, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Assemble Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.assemblesslayers.com or Facebook, Cinema Slayers Podcast, or Twitter and Instagram, where we're cinema underscore slayers. Uh, if you can't give us a rating and review, five stars, that'd be so awesome. That'd really help us out in a lot of different ways. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends. Like I always say, tell your moms. Moms love me. And also just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Run away as fast as you can. I was going to say, Justin, we set this entire episode up for you to sing some Runaway during that, and you failed until just that little tagger right there. Kanye hey, actually you, should have been the soundtrack of this movie. He has a lot of songs that would be well incorporated into this movie. Don't be cruel to me, Heather. Don't be <laughs> I'm cruel. I'm just saying.